Welcome to the district. All of your local and state news in one place on WHIP Student Radio. Philly's number one college radio station. Hello, hello. We are the district here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. I am your host, Maya Tejada, and with me I have Alicia and Jenny. Hello, guys. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. It's been a long Tuesday. Yeah. Are are Tuesdays your normal long days of the week? Yes, they are. Really? Tuesdays are my chill day. Last semester they were crazy, and I hated them so much, but I feel like that's that's usually what happens. (laughs) Um, so we're going to get into some news because that's what we do here. And I wanted to start off with talking about, um, bookstores. Bookstores are something we don't talk about a lot, but I feel like should, we should. Um, this source is coming from WHYY and basically with, you know, Amazons and Amazon tablets, (laughs) e-readers, all of that extra technology, um, physical bookstores can be argued to be a thing of the past. However, many independent booksellers are making a comeback in Philadelphia and other markets across the U.S. The American Booksellers Association membership in Philadelphia has increased between the late 2017 and late 2018 by almost 15 percent. That is more than 1,850 companies with about 2,500 locations. And the sale of print books has increased every year since 2013. And the um, the American Booksellers Association CEO, Oren Teicher, sure, um, said success has been found when taking a localism movement. Um, so this is a more personalized approach. For example, Isabel um, Ballister, who is the events coordinator for Uncle Bobby's here in Germantown, said that they are experiencing success because they are catering to a niche group of people that is doing more than just book selling. Quote, there is so much erasure of black consciousness and space spaces where 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 we can be our authentic selves we provide a whole experience so this is something that i found particularly interesting because i think um we obviously were on the radio and i feel like radio is something that arguably could be something of a dying past because of technology and with like digital media and all of that um so do you well first of all do you guys still find yourself at physical bookstores i personally don't i mean I do read a lot of books, and for a long time I was reading them on tablets and on my iPhone. But I will say recently I found myself going back to physical books and disliking it more. Um, But maybe I should go to a bookstore because it seems like they're coming back. Mm -hmm. What about you, Jenny? Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Um, There's actually this really cool bookstore in South Philly on South Street that, like, every time I go to South Street, I have to go there. Mm -hmm. It's just so cool. And, you know, I don't really go to bookstores that often in my day-to-day life but when I do I'm like oh man like this is awesome because you can like smell the books and Mm -hmm. you can like physically hold it and it's so it's so different than like looking at it on a screen Mm -hmm. and why do you enjoy going to that particular bookstore um they have it's I forget what it's called like what the name of it is um but they have a it's not just like a typical bookstore it's kind of like an indie bookstore I don't even know Mm -hmm. what that really is but um but they have all these different types of like books that aren't like New York Times bestsellers. You know, they're kind of like obscure, mm-hmm. smaller books. So it's kind of interesting to like see books that aren't like, you know, best in the world because they're mm-hmm. like smaller, lesser known books that are just, you know, existing, not with a lot of like social media behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think that's what this, um, with 
Oran. I'm not saying this name correctly. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but I feel like this is what they are trying to say in terms of like sometimes a niche market, even though sometimes too niche might be a little problem, but sometimes a niche market could be beneficial. Like you said, if you're looking for specific books that aren't traditional or like aren't mainstream, there's no like, there's probably not like a Fifty Shades of Grey in there. Or like no. Or Twilight. No. You know? But <laughs> no. doesn't mean that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how do you guys think that technology has either positively or negatively impacted businesses such as like bookstores or other businesses that are not tech were not technologically heavy that's not a word but you know (laughs) well yeah i guess we can kind of see like the physical bookstore industry failing with technology rising uh but technology in terms of books is really more convenient for people on the go where if you're like reading on the train or you know you're a busy person whereas I think going into a bookstore and sitting down and reading that is more somebody who has an interest in reading or Mm -hmm. just enjoys going to like you said it's kind of a niche thing where I think nowadays bookstores they're kind of catering to a certain audience if it's like a small cafe style type of bookstore like a hipstery vibe Mm -hmm. I think um I have yet to go to, have you guys have seen like the cat cafes? Yes. Like, there's cats oh, yes. <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah. Oh, man. And I feel like, but that's example though of yeah. something like, it's a particular, it's a very particular type of experience, but like, that's something that if you like cats, you're going to go there, you 100%. know? 100%. And I've been to one. They're you really have? Cool. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> was that here in Philly? <laughs> it was here in Philly, but actually, side note, I became allergic to cats a year ago, so <gasps> oh. I can no longer go to I'm cat so cafes. I'm so sorry to hear that. But if you're not allergic, they're phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting, though, especially um, like looking at the future of technology, because obviously it's only going to like increase its presence. It's, I don't think it's going to decrease. So how do you think physical bookstores are going to interact or are they going to just completely, you know, just become like extinct at some point? Like, how do you think they're going to interact with like technology in the future or will they? You know what? I don't think they're going to become extinct. I think there might be fewer ones and they're not as popular, but I think there's always going to be a decent group of people who enjoy going to a bookstore and it's kind of like a part of their day or like a special treat. So I don't think they're going to go extinct. I just think slowly they're declining in popularity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, Jenny? Yeah, I... I don't think that bookstores are ever really going to go extinct. I mean, I hope not. Um, you know, technology is going to advance the way it, 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 it will. But like Alicia said, there is such a niche market. So there has to be someone out there somewhere that still enjoys bookstores. Mm-hmm. So whether the popular bookstores like Barnes & Noble, you know, go out of business eventually, I don't know. But I think somewhere someone will have a bookstore, even if it only has like three customers, you know. Mm-hmm. I think they'll they'll, they'll be around. I think so. And I think especially at least in this time period where, like, technology hasn't, like, completely, you know, <laughs> ruined our lives entirely. It's I, I mean, I think, obviously, we do a lot of technolo- things with technology nowadays, but there is still, we're not at its peak, I would say. Like, we're still kind of trying to figure out how it can impact the world. And I think with stuff like Amazon, I feel like Amazon, honestly... Even though as much as obviously they have like an online presence and with like Kindle and like all the e-readers and stuff like that and ebooks, I feel like Amazon would kind of be like the first person to make like a physical bookstore. 
Like, if just to flip it around, just to be like, hey, I'm going to be innovative and, like, create a bookstore where, like, everyone comes and they just, like, read on their tablets or something. Like, they, I feel like it's something like that. We, I think the actual, the traditional physical bookstore might change, but I think it'll still It'll exist stay, but it'll evolve. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for, evolve. I could totally see that, where you come into a bookstore, but <laughs> it's tablets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I feel, even, like, with... um. <clears throat> Like, I mean, in airplanes, like, I mean, not airplanes, airports, where, like, you see the mm. tablets now, like, that's a thing. And, like, or even in restaurants, there's restaurants where it's solely, like, you just order through the tablet. You don't even yeah. interact with people. But they still, like, restaurants still exist. Right. But and they like, just will adapt. menus yeah. go extinct? I don't think so, but <laughs> exactly. they might evolve. <laughs> will menus go extinct? I hope not. Mm. Yeah. I, I do like me some restaurants and some food. <laughs> yeah. Um, so our next story is about these two students from the University of Oklahoma who withdrew from the university after a video was released of um, the both of them with one of them with blackface while the other one was laughing. Um, the one with blackface said, quote, I am the N word, except she actually said the N word. And the other girl is seen laughing in the video. And the uh, university's president president said that this type of behavior is not welcomed here and is condemned in the strongest terms by me and by our university. So the girls were withdrew from the university and they were also removed from their sorority Tri Delta. And um, someone who was interviewed in an NBC video simply said that, quote, this doesn't make sense to me as a human being. Why would they think that this behavior is okay? Um, Since then, the university has said that the girls have apologized. But this is not the first um, incident that we've seen at this university. About four years ago, um, Sigma Alpha Epsilon Fraternity was shut down after the release of a racially charged video. So do you guys have any initial thoughts when hearing this? I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, I, I don't understand in what way people think that that so it's okay. Yeah, you know, it's it's 2019. This is not okay, and to broadcast it is even worse. Mm-hmm. And to expect no consequences out of it is like ridiculous. Like you know, you're doing something wrong. You know, it's not okay. Yeah. Like you have to accept the consequences. I'm also put off by this statement the president of the university gave he said this type of behavior is not welcomed here that's not enough i think more needs to be said and uh, an official statement should be sent out by the girls apologizing whether it's a written statement or they broadcast something since that was their original um form of sharing what they had to express (laughs) um but you know i think it's very impersonal something like this should not be taken lightly and um it sounds just like a plain PR statement to me. I think the university and the president should have done better addressing this and showing how severe it is. Yeah, I, I that was my actually my next question is that do you think I think the the girls with withdrawing from the university it I don't know if this was a voluntary withdrawal or they were like expelled or something like that. But I was going to ask, do you think that this was a solid consequence or like they should have received more consequences? Well, I know Alessia um, already expressed this. What about you, Jenny? Um, I think that withdrawing from the university, whatever that means, you know, they didn't really go into detail of that. I think they definitely could have done something more. You know, as you explained a little minute ago, um, this is not the first time this university has experienced these kind of problems. So clearly there's a deeper issue that has been going on for much longer than this instance but i think that the girls definitely could have had more consequences i think they honestly get off got off easy yeah and i and i and i do think that 
um, it is one of those things that you don't like you're not surprised by this in a way like in terms of like really you didn't think things would happen exactly I think I'm don't quote me on this but I believe the video came like via Snapchat video and I feel like we all know that the the power of media and social media spreads like wildfire insane yeah and also I think also it, we all we also live in a world where people are very quick to just you know point out if someone's making you know an incorrect statement whether it's insensitive to race or sexuality or something so to just put something out there like that and and just be like okay yeah this is cool let's just do that and not think that there be consequences is a little weird you know I agree yeah and I and I wonder also like you said this is something that has happened before at least once before and I think sometimes like okay like twice is enough at this point so we're like what do you think are like ways that a university could like stop to like stop instances of this happening well i think not a consequence is for their benefit i think the university should have mandated those two students if they stayed in the university to have some sort of diversity inclusivity training or counseling Mm -hmm. and extending that after something like this happens it's widespread. All the students in the university have probably seen it. So having a statement where they're hosting an event where they're having this sort of like seminar or they're having someone speak. And, you know, I don't know if making it mandatory, but advertising it as something that's important they want students to come to mm-hmm. as a result of this video that's spread. Yeah. I, well, I mean, even like us as Temple students, we have to take the, I don't know the exact name of it, but the the classes where we have to learn about like drug and alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so I feel like even something like that, because this in the same video that was on NBC, there's also a video of a of a student of color who who says that this is not like something that's out of the ordinary. This unfortunately is something that happens, and obviously I think this is to a great severity. But nonetheless, any type of instance of like racial insensitivity is not good. So I think this is something that like the University of Oklahoma has to get together. I completely agree. You know, and the fact that. I, I don't know if it was Alicia or you mentioning it. Um, it's saying the university said the girls have apologized. Where's this apology? Yeah. You know. And they, to who? <laughs> and to who? Exactly. Like, they could have been, Alicia, Alicia, you said that they could have released a video statement or a written statement. Something to express that they know what they did was wrong. Mm-hmm. Because just them being kicked out or... um removed from the university is not enough yeah and i think even you know if you have such a like alicia said you had such a voice to just say it from the beginning and be so open about your video why aren't you so open about an apology exactly open like you know like own up take responsibility that's Mm -hmm. a constant thing we don't see people doing we just have these you know straightforward pr statements sent forward to kind of quell the controversy and all that but we don't really see change because, like you said, um, this isn't surprising. So what do we need to do different? I think putting forth a mandatory training thing, like you said, here at Temple, we have to take the drug and alcohol. Um, I'm not sure what it's called, but mm-hmm. everybody has to take it at the start of the semester, adding maybe a diversity, um, inclusivity type of thing. It would be beneficial, I It would be beneficial, yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, we are going to go to our first commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about some more news, so stay tuned and enjoy your break. From WHIP News, I'm Maya Tejada. Today's Tuesday, January 22nd, and this is your WHIP News Update. 
The Philadelphia International Airport has begun collecting donations for federal employees affected by the government shutdown. Donation collections began last week. This is in an attempt to help those who have not received a paycheck and are struggling to provide for their families. According to 6ABC, the Fruit Guys are donating 1,000 pieces of fruits and vegetables every other day. A local ShopRite has also donated a large amount. Anything from food to hygiene products to diapers is being collected. A pantry with these donations will be set up at the airport, which will be accessible to all federal employees, not just airport employees. Donation drop-offs will be accepted Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. JBH Soul Kitchen, owned by Dorothea and Bon Jovi, offered free meals to federal employees on Monday. Located in Red Bank, New Jersey, JBJ Soul Kitchen has been deemed to be a community restaurant. According to NBC10, the restaurant teamed up with the Murphy Family Foundation to offer the meals. The Murphy Family Foundation is run by New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. From WHIP News, I'm Maya Tejada, and this has been your WHIP News Update. Hello, we are back on the district here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. I am Maya. I have Alicia and Jenny with me here today, and we're going to be talking about some more and more news. So this is um, some news happening um, with New York. The uh, freshman New York representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said in an interview Monday on CBS's The Late Show, she said that she gives, quote, zero F's about criticism she received from members of her own party. There was an actual bad word in there, but I mustn't say that right now. <laughs> and um, host Stephen Colbert said, quote, now, Congresswoman, for you, and other freshman members of Congress, you're getting a fair amount of pushback from even members of your own party saying, wait your turn, go slow, don't ask for so much so fast right now, you're new, wait your turn for everything and don't make waves. And lawmakers have said that her actions show a divided front for the Democratic Party. Um, but Ocasio-Cortez responded, quote, if you think activism is inherently divisive, I mean, today is Martin Luther King Day. And she went on to say, people called Martin Luther King divisive in his time. We forgot he was wildly unpopular when advocating for the Civil Rights Act. I think that what we really need to realize is that social movements are the moral compass and should be the moral compass for our politics. So um, with these new women in Congress, um, do you think do you, pushing the Democratic Party, do you think that they're pushing towards a more progressive agenda? And do you think that there's a problem with that? Like other people have criticized Ocasio-Cortez? Well, I personally don't. Uh, I love what these women are doing and they're kind of standing up and they're having their voices um, shown and they're being very unapologetic about what they're saying. We've seen this with Ocasio-Cortez, with Rashida Tlaib, and I just, I personally love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the people... I think the people who are saying that, um, you know, wait your turn are the same exact people that don't want what she's proposing. You know, um, she still is a member of the Democratic Party. But even within that, there's gray areas on how liberal and how conservative you are. Um, I think that it's, you know, they're pushing it. They're pushing the Democratic Party towards a more progressive agenda. And are they going to get it right away? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that even that push is what the Democratic Party needs, mm -hmm. you know, someone to say, get on your feet, you know, figure it out in the face of everything that's going on right now. And I, I, that's what I was about to say. I was like, there, I feel like there's no time to wait. Like, there's no time to be yeah. like, oh, well, just wait your turn or don't no. ask for so much. Like, the government is, doesn't even exist right now. Like, it's shut <laughs> down. You know, like, there's, yeah. we're kind of like in a crucial point where 
things need to be made and changes need to be made. And I think, um, you know, when people say, I feel like the term progressive agenda, it, it, I feel like that's some, it, it's a way to kind of make it seem very negative in the sense of just like trying to divide everyone and like all of this. But I think that, I don't know, to me, a pro- isn't like the word progression like there in the word, you know, <laughs> like to move forward, to grow. And why is that a bad thing? Like, why is it a bad thing to grow? You know, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I just, I personally, just going off of what Ocasio Cortez said, I like seeing our um, Congress people and our representatives being more real and seeming like real people because at the end of the day, they're representing us. So we had Ocasio Cortez come on this um, late night talk show, and you know, say. I don't give any Fs, saying, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm unapologetic about it. We've seen her do this time and time again Mm -hmm. when she was criticized for that video of her dancing in college. And then she posted a video of her (laughs) dancing outside of her office. And she said, well, you know what? Now I'm dancing inside the halls of Congress. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. just things like this. I appreciate it. Do you think that that could potentially be like damaging, though? Like, do you think that there's a line between, I guess, professionalism and then being authentic to yourself? I do. So I think it. they are still being professional, but, you know, they're not falling in line. They're not just going um, and saying, I'm just going to do what the party says. I think at the end of the day, they want to represent their districts. And I think a lot of these uh, freshman Congress women are trying to do that mm-hmm. and still um, push the agenda of the people they're representing. Mm-hmm. I think that's the whole point is like it's supposed to be like for the people, like for you know, representing your, I don't know, whatever whatever county or whatever that you represent. So how, what better way to do that than being your most authentic self? And I think also, especially when the past few years, I think, obviously I don't have like st- uh, statistics mm-hmm. to prove this, but I think that there has been um, this distrust that I feel like a lot of Americans have have experienced with politicians. So why not like try to strengthen that trust by just being like, hey, this is who I am and I, I'm... I'm exactly the same person that you are. I just have like some leadership, but I can I can use this leadership to help you. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think um, freshman Congressman Rashida Tlaib is a great example of that. I think she said multiple times, like, you know, I'll always be a Detroit girl. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll never change who I am. And she did get a lot of backlash. I think it was a couple weeks ago. She went up on a stage. I'm not exactly sure where, but she said, when your son looks at you and says, mama, look, you won. Bullies don't win. And then she went on to say, baby, they don't because we're going to go in there and we're going to impeach the mother effer. So she got a lot of backlash um, for the type of language she used, which, you know, I agree because we kind of go back to that professionalism and staying mm-hmm. too tr- true to yourself. But I think she kind of was in the heat of the moment and she was trying to be inspirational to the people she represented. And I think uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she defended uh, Rashida Tlaib. She said, um, you know what, I agree with her. I don't support the language, but I'm not in the business of censorship. So at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. um, these people in Congress also have their freedom of speech. They should speak up and they have the platform to do this. I also think that, you know, when it comes to censorship of words or you know oh maybe you shouldn't say that because of quote-unquote like professionalism and stuff like that it's also like we have a a president who also like just tweets all of his thoughts and go ahead jenny you speak i won't take your words (laughs) i was i was just gonna say that um you know in the 2016 election trump's um 
base liked him because he was unapologetic, because he didn't represent mm-hmm. the establishment, because he didn't care what other people thought, you know? And that's one of the reasons that got him elected. Um, and to hear all these backlashes for these congresswomen, um, I think it just goes to show that it's okay when men do it, yeah. you know? And, you know, I don't think anything that Ocasio-Cortez, I said right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anything that she has said has been worse than what he has said. I think people are freaking out about it because she's a woman and she's new to this, mm-hmm. so to speak, and people think that she doesn't know what she's doing. Um, so I think it's just a double standard. Yeah, I and agree. It's, yeah. I mean, Trump's base they get heated up by his incendiary comments. People love it. People love to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, these two women here, they dropped F-bombs, and suddenly they're not professional. Well, our politics are now a majority of it coming from Twitter. So, (laughs) you know, time is changing. Things are evolving like our bookstores. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I like that little plug back. So I think... The rest of the Democratic Party needs to get on board and support these women because I think they're going to make great change. Yeah, and I think for me, I'm. I brought up Trump not to be not to say like, oh well, if he does it, then she can do it too. I don't. Obviously, I feel like that's like kind of a yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an immature stance to have, but I do think that when you look at the actual words, though, when you look at the quotes that we just said, that was just curse words. You know, yeah. like that's mm-hmm. that's not words that can necessarily divide people that are attacking a group of people, which right. we've seen time and time again with Trump and his you know erratic behavior has always been you know. You can you can say that those are words that have had more weight to hurt a nation than just saying an f bomb, and I feel like that that's kind of like, I feel like that's part of the argument too. Like it's not it's not simply like oh well like she wasn't professional. It's was like no, she also just said a bad word. Like you know, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it's not. I feel like it's not going to make or break people or cause mm-hmm. people to have like riots and you know want to attack another group of people. When when the words like that happen, then repercussions needs to happen. But we've also seen words like that happen. There's been no repercussions, no consequences, hundred so, percent. I don't know, um, but I really like the story and I and I think that it's something that we need to take, um, you know, keep in mind when looking at officials and when you know a, the election is coming up soon. Not soon <laughs> enough, but mm-hmm. you know, coming up with the next year and stuff like that. Um, so we're going to continue with some, you know, government stuff. So the Supreme Court has um, passed the transgender military ban. This is um, this particular story is coming from CNN, but it's been covered everywhere. So if you're not familiar with this, the policy was first announced back in July of 2017 by um, Donald Trump via Twitter. And um, basically it has it says that those who have been diagnosed with a condition known as, quote, gender dysphoria, um, they are. They, there are limited exceptions from serving in the military. Um, it also specifies that individuals without the condition can serve, but only if they do so according to the sex they were assigned at birth. So the Pentagon was forced to allow transgender applicants to join the military on January 1st of last year after a federal judge ruled that the military had to allow transgender people, transgender re- transgender recruits to join. Um, Carla Gleason, who is a Pentagon spokesperson, told CNN, quote, as always, we treat all transgender persons with respect and and dignity. The Department of Defense's proposed policy is not a ban on service by transgender persons. It is a critical it is critical that DOD be permitted to implement personnel policies that is determined 
are necessary to ensure the most lethal and combat effective fighting force in the world. End quote. That took a lot of wind out of me. <laughs> um, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi tweeted that the policy was um, purpose to build and humil- humiliate brave women and men um, seeking to serve their country. So, when I, initially when I when I was first reading this, I hear Carla Gleason's saying that you know it's uh, we always treat transgender persons with respect and dignity, and this is not you know a ban on on transgender people, but it's more so like what can be the best for our fighting forces uh, to me i'm like so then so then what is like if it clearly is that it's it's a ban on people who are transgender it's it's defined in the the, the term itself you know and for me i'm still like wondering like what the justification of this is and i don't i don't know it, for me it's also like if there's a ban on you know someone serving in the military which could be quote like you know so, someone could argue that is the most you know, American thing that you do, you can do the most patriotic mm-hmm. sense of freedom, mm-hmm. then what are other bands that could come up, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, in the quote by Lieutenant Colonel Carla Gleason, she says, basically, she says the reason for this ban is they're trying to do what is necessary to ensure the most lethal and combat effective fighting force in the world. I don't know um what about your gender presentation and being transgender Mm -hmm. makes you Mm -hmm. incapable of fighting for this nation Mm -hmm. you know it's just it's politics at the end of the day it's not about wanting to have a strong military in my opinion i I completely agree i think obviously there's there's always you know requirements to entering the military as there should be but at the end of the day it should be based on you know your physical ability your mental capability of handling stuff like that your you know past like there's there's other requirements that need to be put into place but because of someone's simple gender identity that to me that doesn't really seem like something that could negatively impact how someone performs in a military environment did you have anything you want to say jenny yeah i think you know serving our country is an incredibly brave thing um i personally don't think i would have the mental or physical capability to do it so for those of you who are able to and are willing to, you should not have to be barred Mm -hmm. from doing so. You know, it it should be an honor. And the fact that someone's gender or lack thereof could inhibit that decision doesn't even make sense. Because if if you have a desire to serve our country and you are physically and mentally capable, why can't you? It shouldn't matter what gender you are. Mm -hmm. Just like it shouldn't matter what race you are or what religion you are. If you are able to and you want to, you should be able to. And I feel like that's the whole premise. Like, again, when looking at the justifications behind it of it just being like, oh, well, it's not about that. It's about, like, how we can be the best. If you were to replace that word transgender with, you know, black person, a Muslim person, so, like mm-hmm. any other, you know, person, group of people who has been marginalized, it, it's it's a problem. And it and it. It, I don't know, it holds the same the equal weight as what you said, whether it's race or religion or something like that. At the end of the day, it's based on the physicality and, and the mental capability of being able to do something. Um, but we do have to go to our second commercial break. And when we get back, we're going to be talking about some more news. So stay tuned. It's half past the top of the hour, and here's your WHIP Sports Update. Hey, sports fans. I'm Eileen Wickline, and this is your sports update for Tuesday, January 22nd, 2019. On Saturday, Temple men's basketball fell to Penn 70-77 at the League Core Center in Fran Dunphy's last Big Five matchup. 
Your Temple Owls will be back in action Thursday night at 7 p.m. as they take on Memphis. Championship weekend took over the NFL on Sunday as the Rams and Saints faced off in the NFC and the Patriots and Chiefs battled in the AFC. The Rams beat the Saints 26-23 in overtime in a game which will mostly be remembered for the infamous no-call with two minutes left to go in play. Then the so-called underdogs came out on top when Tom Brady and the Patriots beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs 37-31 in overtime to send Brady to his ninth Super Bowl. To the rink where the Flyers will take the jet on the Jets at home tonight at 7 p.m. And the Sixers routed the Rockets 121-93 to last night at the Wells Fargo Center. Today's weather on Broad Street will be cold with a high of 29 and a low of 22. With reports at half past each hour, this has been Eileen Wickline reporting for WHIP Radio, Philly's number one college radio station. You are listening to The District here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. Maya, Alessia, Jenny, you know our names. We're, we're here. We're doing this thing. So we're going to talk some more about the um, transgender uh, military band. If you're just tuning in, we were speaking about that prior to this commercial break. And um, yeah, we, ha- we still have some thoughts. We weren't finished. Go ahead, Alicia. Okay. So it's known as the Transgender Military Ban, but for our listeners, if you want to stay a little bit more informed, there are some exceptions to this ban. Um, so the first exception is service members have been stable for three years in their sex prior to joining the military, meaning um, completion of surgery or hormone treatment. You can still be in the military. Um, another one is if you're trans but without gender dysphoria diagnosis or history, you can serve if you're serving with your um, the sex you were assigned at birth. And let's see what else. If you were a diagnosed gender dysphoria before mm-hmm. the effective date of the policy, you can still serve and receive medical treatment. And then transgender persons without gender dysphoria diagnosis or history can serve in their birth sex. And all this information is coming from CNN, by the way. So... I will during our commercial break we were speaking about this briefly and I was telling Alicia I was like so there's a you have to be transgender enough like there's there's some sort of uh, marital that's the implication yeah I think in my opinion so these are um, they're labeled as exceptions but you know what to me they sound like qualifications Mm -hmm. are you like you said are you trans enough are you trans in um, fitting the mold in the box that they're representing, then you're okay. But if not, this ban still applies to you. I think that's ridiculous. I think when the spokesperson from the Pentagon sent out that statement, they said, um, you know, we still support trans people. This is not meant to be, um, you know, like hateful or discriminatory. I think they were referring to these qualifications saying, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, there's this trans ban, but hold on. We don't hate trans people. We have these exceptions for you. Mm -hmm. Not good enough. Yeah. And the Defense Department has also said that they can issue waivers on a case-by-case basis. So to me, this even furthers my point. So then, like, why have it in the first place? You know, like, if there's there's a case-by-case basis, if there's, quote, you know, so many, quote, exceptions, which could be, you know, deemed as qualifications, as you said, then, like, why even implement something that is so complicated in the first place and also... Not very nice to people, you know? 100%. And another thing I wanted to bring up with this breaking news of the ban, um, the Supreme Court ruling. So four Supreme Court justices did oppose it, and they're kind of the remaining four liberal ones. And I think, to me, this is kind of the first step of 
a conservative-leaning Supreme Court making decisions. Mm -hmm. To me, that's scary. I mean, what I'm thinking is what's next. First, we have this trans ban. I know there, there was a lot of concern when Brett Kavanaugh came into the Supreme Court about will Roe versus Wade be mm-hmm. overturned. And that's, um, for anybody that doesn't know, that's the abortion laws. So I just want to know what you guys think. Do you think there's going to be more things kind of coming from this conservative-leaning Supreme Court in the future? I think it only opens up more opportunities for you know, these conservative justices to allow things that weren't, you know. So, Alicia, you mentioned the Roe v. Wade. I think that is only going to open more doors for them to make these kind of laws. You know, it, it starts with the transgender ban. And, you know, I don't want to, not to sound, you know, bad, but if you're not transgender or if you don't particularly care about it, it's not going to affect your day-to-day life, you know? So if, I mean, for someone who does care about it, it's, like, alarming. You know, it's alarms going off saying, okay, if they can do this, what else can they do? Mm-hmm. So it, I think I, I think it really can only get worse. And I think also for me, I I mean, I myself am not very conservative. Like, I'm not conservative, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't necessarily want to say, like, oh, being a conservative is wrong or like there's exactly, like, yeah but but i think when it comes to the point of again hurting people like i said with ocasio cortez mm-hmm. if you're hurting a group of people or if you're controlling a group of people in the way that what they you know how they live their lives yeah. i i think that is where the the concern is and that's when again with this you see that this is something that you know is coming out of a very conservative um area of go- of, of of government and it is directly hurting a group of people 100%. and that's where the, that's where the issue is i think i think just to wrap it up the scary thing is this is the supreme court this is the law of the land um and we see something coming out that is targeting a marginalized community mm-hmm. so you know it's scary for people with various identities who are already being discriminated if things are being implemented into laws if they're being overturned it's like what other rights are going to be infringed upon next. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, we're going to continue with, if you were listening during our first commercial break, you would have heard my lovely voice talking about um, a news update. <laughs> um, and this is a, an expansion of what was said then and, you know, an update on the uh, government shutdown and what's being do- done to help those that are being impacted. So the Philadelphia International Airport has been accepting food donations for federal employees. Um, I believe this began last week, and this is coming from 6ABC, and they're collecting supplies from food to diapers to hygiene products, and all of which they're going to set up a, a pantry station for all federal workers, not just airport workers. And um, another article coming from Philly.com is saying that TSA employees are among the 800,000 government workers that have gone without paychecks. And the future is unknown. We are currently on the 32nd day of the government shutdown. Not 100% certain when it's going to end um, and what that means for TSA workers as well as other federal employees. Um, thankfully, this time of the year is a little bit quiet in terms of traveling. But if the shutdown continues into mid-February, 
um, that might we might be we might see substantial problems with spring break and holiday travels as lines pick up for security and there will most likely be a smaller amount of personnel as people you know are not showing up to their job or they're calling out sick because they're not getting paid. Um, Philly.com also is saying that in addition to the airport, um, food agency Phil Abundance is setting up an emergency food station in Philadelphia for federal workers who have yet to receive a paycheck in 32 days. This station is located under I-95 here in Philly on Front and Tasker Streets in South Philly, and it'll be open between 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Wednesday starting this Wednesday, January 23rd. And um, also, if you're looking to donate to... Um, the, the the donations that the Philadelphia International Airport is having, um, they are taking donations from Monday through Friday between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Um, unfortunately, this is something that is kind of becoming a norm. We're obviously it's been a little over a month since the government shutdown has begun, and it has impacted a ton of people and in many ways. And um, I don't know. Do you guys have any initial thoughts? Because I'm like I don't even know what to ask here. Yeah. So you know what I think. Everybody can agree, regardless of political affiliation, this is not okay. This is something that's bad. Mm -hmm. These are government workers who are not being paid, who cannot even get to work because they can't afford um, their commute and things like that. So I think it's kind of highlighting um, amidst all this terrible stuff that's going on. We're also kind of highlighting some humanity in Mm -hmm. our communities, um, regardless democrat republican independent i think we can all agree that we need to do what we can to help out um our neighbors you know our family members our tsa agents and i think the most basic thing is food um and so i think it's amazing that phil abundance and we have all these food pantries helping and donating Mm -hmm. definitely yeah um food insecurity is a huge issue in a lot of big cities and especially in philadelphia and with this government start with this government shutdown, a lot of federal workers have no idea where they're going to get their food from, you know, however they're going to put food on the table. And I think organizations like Phil Abundance are, you know, even from the article, they were struggling to find resources for food mm-hmm. because they're not getting paid. They're a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So they're even struggling to help out the other people that are struggling. Um, and it comes at a really dangerous time. You know, this past weekend was brutally cold. Mm-hmm. Yesterday was terrible. Um, so you have people that can't really afford food. They haven't gotten a paycheck. So what about the mortgages and the heating bills and all that stuff that goes into, you know, shelter and food, the basic necessities to survive? It, it really is scary. Mm-hmm. And then especially with, um, I know food stamps is also being affected and, um, the, the food stamps for February were distributed early. And mm-hmm. then after that, it's just kind of like. We'll let you know when we know. You're on your own. Yeah. yeah. And and many people have to, you know, you know, reestablish their budget for how they're going to try to do with, you know, th- that, that money that was given to them in advance. Um, and I think, like you, like you said, going back to the humanity aspect, I think it's something that I think in general we just lack as just human beings. Like we lack the empathy for other people and just simply like uh, respecting someone because they're human whether you agree with them whether mm-hmm. you hate them love them at the end of the day you know we're all human beings who require food and shelter and warmth and all these other things so i i really to me i wanted to kind of end this on like a little happy note um obviously it's it's not a very happy situation as to why it's happening because of the government shutdown but um again with the donations and stuff like that i think it's really impactful yeah so definitely look into it if you're somebody that can donate mm-hmm. um it's greatly appreciated 
Yes, it is. And just a little, this is the last story. I wanted to talk about this because I think this is pretty funny. And um, I might be biased. Who knows? <laughs> um, so this is coming from CBS Philly. And basically, New Jersey was ranked um, one of the top 10 worst states to drive in. This is coming from, this report was done by Wallet Hub, And of the other top 10 states include rank, being ranked from best to worst um, it goes from West Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, Wyoming, Washington, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, California, Washington, Alaska, and then the worst state being Hawaii. They um, they kind of tested all 50 states, um, but the way that they were able to make these conclusions was made based on the cost of ownership and maintenance, traffic and infrastructure, access to vehicles and maintenance, and safety. Um, and then Pennsylvania specifically was rank, ranked number 26, so just like right in the middle. Um, I guess they're not really good or bad <laughs> drivers. <laughs> um, do you guys do you guys agree with this? How do you feel about Jersey drivers? <laughs> well, you know, I haven't driven too much in Jersey, but also I don't know if you mentioned Maya, but this article is coming from CBS Philly. Mm-hmm. You might have, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so I think this study is really interesting. I don't know if something like this has been done before. It's informative, but I will say there is some humor in it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Personally, for me, I think the place with the worst drivers that I've driven is Pittsburgh. <laughs> we <laughs> talked about this over the talk break. Um, so I don't know. I can't give a testimony to New Jersey drivers. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at the rest of the list and I was like, because for me, I guess the only states that I've really driven in is like New York, Pennsylvania, Jersey, and Florida. And I personally was like, okay, out of the four states that I've driven in, Florida, definitely terrible driving. <laughs> but I was just like, there's a whole bunch of other states that I don't know. And apparently Hawaii is the worst because um, I believe they have, one, I think it's the actual roads are pretty terrible, but mm-hmm. I think it's also very costly like gas and stuff like that um but yeah i don't know but i think new york though because i i'm from new york specifically it's ranked number 30 Mm -hmm. so it's a little closer to like being one of the worst and like i get it we're we're aggressive you know yeah i don't know I don't know about Philly being 26. Um, there's some pretty yeah, bad that, drivers. That, I was going to say that. That doesn't seem right. Especially you know? around Temple. I don't know if you guys oh, have yes. driven in North Philly. But mm-hmm. but I think a big problem with Philly and driving is local infrastructure. And this city mm-hmm. is oh. just mm-hmm. absolutely awful, especially the North Philly area. The potholes. It's very true. Oh, these potholes, man. <laughs> they get you every time. But, like, they're not even potholes, though. There's, like, actual pieces oh, no. of the street just oh, missing. Yeah. It's like a... Yes, it's like a crater. Yes, you know, and it's like a hit or miss with your where your car. Are, are we wrong though? Like, where your car, like, <laughs> no. just you know. I almost pop a tire every morning. Yeah, and drive down here. It's so. it's horrifying, you know. And I think also I'm like when I look at how people parallel park, <laughs> like in New York, you would never see that. Everyone is in such a straight line. No. There's perfect spaces in between cars. Here, I will see a oh, left yeah. tire on the sidewalk. And then I'm just so confused, though. I, I'm not the best parallel park. I'll be the first no. to admit that. But if I can't parallel park, I just won't park there. It's It, it <laughs> amazes me, though, because when I walk through campus, um, I'll see some of these cars that I swear I could barely fit my pinky between the spaces yeah. in these two cars. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, how how do you do that? You know, yeah. like you get these people get so close to someone else's car. And I'm like, oh, man, like it's a weird world. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) North Philly is a place of its own. Yeah. Uh, Well, we do have to get off the air now where our time is up here. But thank you for joining us tonight. I think this is a pretty successful show. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So stay tuned. Tomorrow is going to be Rational Radio and hope you have a good night.